Now, before we dive into this conversation, I do want to give a content warning that we will be speaking about suicide and mental health disorders such as depression and anxiety. So please take care when listening. There was a lot that I liked about this book, but my dislikes are quite strong. Like I really feel passionately about them. I honestly feel passionately about mine as well. Welcome to Red Wine Reads, a community of book lovers talking about our favorite and not so favorite books while pouring a glass or two of wine. I'm your host, Jenna Miller, and with me today is Abby Williams, the author of her own story and pilot of her own reading journey. Now, before we start, I should warn you that we do spoil the endings of the book's review, so if you don't like that, then please go finish the book and come right back to this episode. But if you are just here for the fun-loving conversation, then welcome. Whether you want to read one, none, or all of these books, the choice is up to you. And these reviews are not backed by any science or experience, just purely two opinionated amateur readers. You may hate the books we love or love the books we hate. Everyone has different tastes, but we hope this podcast is fun to listen to no matter how you like your books. You can tell us your opinions of these books on our Instagram and TikTok at rwreadspodcast. That's at R-W-R-E-A-D-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. So without further ado, let's pull some corks and get reading. This week, we read The Midnight Library by Matt Haig. Abby, welcome to this special episode of Red Wine Reads uh, brought to you by Zoom. We love technology. Thanks for having me, Jenna. Oh, it's lovely, lovely to have you on this episode. Um, we are discussing The Midnight Library by Matt Haig today. Woo, woo. Woo, woo. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. I think this one has is one of those books that has been on my uh, TBR list probably since it came out. We bought it like brand new. And then so 2020 um, and it's just been sitting on my shelf since. Yep. And this is one of the ones that kept coming up on my TikTok feed. Um, so naturally I put it in kind of my reading queue and here we are. We read it. <laughs> here we are and we read it. Well, here, let's get into some quick facts before we really dig into this. So uh, it was published in 2020. Um, it was published kind of at the tail end of the pandemic, August 2020, um, or at, you know, the tail end of the first year of the pandemic, I should say. And people just started, you know, reading it out the wazoo. And it really, as I was kind of digging into it and as it sat on my shelf, I got very mixed reviews from people who had read it. And I think Goodreads kind of reflects that. So it has a four out of five on Goodreads. But if you look at the reviews, it's a lot of two, two star and five stars. And so it's really like reviews that range from this blew my mind to like Nora was the worst narrator. I could not handle it. You get a little bit of everything when you kind of start scrolling through all those reviews. And that's kind of how I felt when people would tell me about this book. And then a little bit about Matt Haig. So he's an author uh, for children and adults. He wrote a memoir called Reasons to Stay Alive. And this was a number one bestseller staying in the British top 10 for 46 weeks, which is crazy. It was named one of Entertainment Weekly's must read books of 2016. And then his children's book, A Boy Called Christmas, was really just a hit. And now it's being made into a film. And in total, he's sold over 3 million books worldwide. So this guy's like pretty successful. <laughs> it's a pretty big deal. Uh, all right, let's dive in. And as we dive in, I have to ask, are you drinking anything tonight? No, because I suck and have nothing at my house. So here we are. What are you drinking, Jenna? I am drinking a high noon and it is peach flavored. Ooh, it's quite good. I feel like peach is a hit or miss type type of flavor. Yeah, I just didn't really want to open up a wine and this is what we had. So fair enough. All right. Well, we'll go through. I feel like, the, you know, with the main characters, we kind of have two big main characters. We have Nora, who is our main character, the narrator. And then we have Mrs. Elm, the librarian. 
We also have Joe, who's Nora's brother. We have Dan, who's Nora's kind of long lost love, but not really because he's actually the worst. Trash can. And then we have Izzy, who's Nora's good friend. Isabel is her full name, I think. Yeah. And then Ravi. Ravi, who uh, was Joe's good friend and they were all in a band together. And then Ravi got really mad at Nora for quitting the band because he's like, if you didn't quit, we would have made it huge. So I feel like those are kind of like the big players that come into each one of her storylines. And then, of course, her cat name, Voltaire. We also have to throw in Ash. I feel like Ash is a big one. Yes. Ash is another big one who is pretty much kind of like the love of her life in one of her storylines. He's the neighbor that told her that her cat died. And he's a hot surgeon who runs. And he's a hot surgeon. So, okay, let's read the summary and then we'll hop right into this. So summary. Between life and death, there is a library. And within that library, the shelves go on forever. Every book provides a chance to try another life you could have lived, to see how things would have been different if you made other choices. Would you have done anything different if you had the chance to undo your regrets? A novel about the choices that go into a life well lived. Somewhere out beyond the edge of the universe, there is a library that contains an infinite number of books, each one a story of another reality. One tells the story of your life as it is, along with another book for the other life you could have lived if you made different choices at any point in your life. While we all wonder how our lives might have been, what if you had the chance to go to the library and see it for yourself? Would any of those lives truly be better? Nora Seed finds herself faced with this decision, faced with the possibility of changing her life for a new one, following a different career, undoing old breakups, realizing dreams of becoming a glaciologist. She must research within herself as she travels through the Midnight Library to decide what is truly fulfilling in life and what makes it worth living in the first place. Alrighty, let's start with things we liked about this book. Let's do it. Here, this is, I I had one sentence, so I wonder if it's true or false. This novel tackled really heavy topics like finding purpose, suicide, and regret. I think it really resonated with myself and kind of how I felt along my journey in this life so far. I would say absolutely true. I think that this book did a really good job at talking about those things. I mean, if I could look at our audience right now and say, hey, how many of us have regrets? I think every single person's hand would shoot up in the air. And I think just taking that, it's a universal feeling. It's a universal just challenge of everybody's life. And I think she did a really good job at making a story surrounding that. And she really captured because Nora went through all those lives. She really captured those feelings in those moments. And so I would definitely say that it's not only relatable, but I think a lot of people enjoy talking about it because as you mentioned before as well, it kind of makes you just resonate on your own life. You're like, oh yeah, I kind of did that same thing. I know. I, I even said the ending of this book, especially kind of had me pause and kind of just take stock of my own life. And I'm like, pausing right now in the present, what am I grateful for? You know, I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for Casey. I'm grateful for this dog, though he may be loud. He is sweet. (laughs) And I'm just like grateful for friends. And I just started like naming all these things. And it's like when you actually take stock of what of what you have in this life, that's when it kind of starts to resonate. And sometimes you can get carried away with all the regrets and all the things that aren't going right. And I think that this book especially made me pause and just really like, okay, (laughs) let's take a breath here and like actually see what matters to me right now. Absolutely. And for some reason, this book had me going back to, I don't know, like high school English class um, where I was sitting down. I was like, okay, what are the themes of this book? Obviously, mental health is a big one. Obviously, regrets 
are a very big one. But I thought that the biggest theme, and it was kind of underlying, but especially at the very end, I think it was shifting and changing perspective. I think that was one of the best parts of this book. It's not necessarily that her situations changed. It's that her entire thought process surrounding her life changed. So I think in that sense, I really, really liked that message um, that Matt Haig was giving the audience. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think, I think for a lot of us, maybe not everyone, but a lot of us, we've had that moment of you're sitting there and you're like, this is a lot like life's a lot right now. I am struggling and we may not be to the extent of thinking about potential suicide. Not all of us are pushed to that extent, but I know for myself in my own experience, I have definitely got pushed to the point of just being caught in a hole and caught in a rut and feeling like, how the heck am I going to climb out of this one? And I think that he captured kind of that point. And also it's like those stories you hear about people that, you know, have jumped off a bridge trying in the hopes of taking their own life. But as soon as they take the jump, they have that moment of regret and you have these stories. And I think that this was kind of digging into that and taking this theme and saying like, okay, well, what if you kind of had a moment of pause in between life and death, what would that look like? Right. But I'm in the same boat as you. I have never had thoughts of suicide or anything like that. But just as every other person, you get to this point in life where sometimes you are just in quicksand. There's a cloud hanging over you and you're, it's not going to get any better. You try to be hopeful, but like you almost don't want to be because you're like, no, this is shit. I don't want to do it. I I think one of the best parts of Matt Haig's writing, actually, it points to the problem we're facing with suicide these days, especially. I remember thinking when I read the book, I was like, okay, Nora, that was kind of abrupt. Your life is sad, but it's not worth killing yourself over. And then all of a sudden you start diving into these lives and every single life that she has that parallels her life. It gives you a little bit more detail into her real life and what happened and those intrusive thoughts. And I thought that was brilliant of him to do in that sense. I think he did a good job of kind of showing that, oh, well, you know what? This was a constant battle through the other lives. Mm hmm. As you were talking, I was like, I think I I highlighted a quote that kind of captured that. She goes, maybe that's what all lives were, though. Maybe even the most seemingly perfectly intense or worthwhile lives ultimately felt the same. Acres of disappointment and monotony and hurts and rivalries, but with flashes of wonder and beauty. I also highlighted that. It's so good. Because that's life. That's where we're at right now. We see these perfect lives shown to us on these social media channels. We hear about it from people because people are telling us about their highlights. And when you're like catching up with someone, they're like, oh, what's what's happening? And you're like, oh, I got a new job. Oh, I'm loving this. I'm doing that. But you don't hear about the monotony of the day-to-day. You don't hear about the struggles of the day-to-day. You don't hear about, yeah, I looked at myself in the mirror this morning and was like, oh, I should probably lose 10 pounds. Or, oh, I actually hate my job. You know, it's just like, you don't see that. By the way, if anyone from my job is listening, I love my job. Don't, don't worry about that. <laughs> but you know, like, underlying, we all are kind of facing the same issues. We're all kind of going through the same things, but it's those moments and those flashes of like absolute wonder and absolute pure love and pure joy and happiness that actually make this thing worth it. 
Yeah, but then again, I think it goes back to that shifting perspective. When we start focusing more on those, they might they might seem small, you know, those flashes. That's what they feel like. They're only flashes. But really, the reason it feels like a flash is because we're so focused on the lack of what we have or the regret of not making a decision or just that trench that we seem to be in. Rather than shifting that perspective and focusing on that flash, which actually there could be more of, we're just missing them because we're so focused on other things. Absolutely. Those flashes could be in the smallest moments and you just have to like have that little shift because I know for me, when I was starting out freelancing, when I was in Richmond, just moved to a new town, didn't know anyone. I was working from home. So I wasn't getting any like face-to-face interaction. And I was in like a rough spot. I was like, I feel lonely. It was hard. I felt terrible. And my mental state then was just focusing on all the jobs I didn't get or all the articles that got killed. That's all I was focusing on. And then as soon soon as you kind of start getting into the groove of things and you start, you know, maybe you get a new job and I started, I got a new job that I really enjoyed. And I started meeting people actually in Richmond. And it was just like, as soon as that happened, that shift in that brain, everything took a turn. And like, he captured that moment of you decide that not everything sucks, (laughs) but it's such a hard transition to make. It really has to come within yourself Well, so with what you just said about how it has to, that change in perspective has to come from within yourself. And I actually think that's exactly what the author wanted to do with Mrs. Elm. I feel like we're putting them as two separate characters. But we also have to remember the Midnight Library is Nora. Nora is the Midnight Library. So everything in it, the books, including her quote unquote guide, who is Mrs. Elm, that's Nora. And I think she was the the change in perspective. She was that force within herself that knew something needed to change. And so then she actually did something about it. We're talking a lot about what we liked (laughs) and um, we can kind of get into my dislikes. Well, so I need to preface this that I wanted to really highlight everything that I liked because there was a lot that I liked about this book. But my dislikes are quite strong. Like I really feel passionately about them. I honestly feel passionately about mine as well. All right. So there's just a couple things about this book that really just irritated me. First and foremost, the ending is very good. Obviously, I think we needed that victory for her. But for me, it was very predictable. From the time the book started, and I knew the premise, which I should also say this, I did not know what this book was about before I read it. I went in completely blind, really didn't know what it was about. And so then I got to the end and I was like, cool, that's exactly what I expected to happen. Which again, it's a great story of hope that you can change your perspective if you have that desire and fight within you. But yeah, that that was kind of something I don't love in books. I don't like them to be super predictable. Now, Jenna, this is what drove me up a wall. And every story that does this, does this for some reason. If someone is going from like one life to another, for some reason, they have no, they don't get any knowledge of that life. So it's like, it's as if they've been in that life forever, but they don't know anything that just happened. And my biggest issue with that is that, so for instance, Nora went into the life married to Ash and having a child named Molly, had no idea who Molly was, couldn't remember 
anybody's name, any of that. And my thing is, is how are you supposed to give a real life a chance if you're not actually living that life? Because you can't live a life because she's having to fake it the entire time, act as if she has been there. And that's been something that really bugged me because it wasn't actually giving any of those lives a real chance. Because how could you not knowing it's not you? You are quite literally coming into a stranger's life. I I kind of like agreed with that. I think that's kind of tossing her in these lives. And then he got to a section where he just talked about like the 150, 200 lives that she just started going into back to back to back to back to back. And I just felt like it lost. Like, I get that you're trying to get across that, you know, she got lost in the sauce of like trying out all these lives, but it just felt like you could have gotten that same message with five, six lives. I feel like if you would have, I get the reasoning behind it, but for me, it just felt like it just like took me out of the story because I was like, I don't really care about this, like it, like this montage of her going into all these different lives and like talking about that. Because I think like the messaging behind that section was portrayed through her trying out all these different lives. And I agree because when you're, it's almost as if like, I, I hated New York City when I visited as a tourist. And then when I went there to live there for, I only lived there for four months, but even just those four months of actually like living there, I was like, oh, I get the appeal. That is honestly such a good comparison, but it's exactly that. She was a tourist in every single life she went to. And I'm sorry, but like, you feel exhausted. You don't feel at home. Like even at a hotel, you feel uncomfortable. You don't know these people. Like imagine getting into a bed with someone you know, like loves you with all their heart, but you're like, I feel nothing for you. Like even that, like the emotional, she wasn't there. Like she had no emotion towards it. So how can you actually really consider that a life? Yeah. And what I don't get either is like, I know that that she was talking to that one guy and he said like the brain fills in the gaps, but I'm like, what about the gaps that are like four weeks long, like six weeks long? Like what the hell does that look like? Yeah, I have no idea. So that seemed odd. There's also just some weird things too. And I can't get this out of my head. What's the guy when she was in Antarctica? I was trying to figure out his name too. Marcelo. Marcelo. I just opened to a random page. Look at that. I just had this biggest fear that when they were in the throes of it, having sex, that she would like, like if one of them just disappeared and then they just like forgot for a second and they were in the throes of like, no, you can't do that. That was one of my biggest pet peeves of this book was Marcelo. I think he was a stupid character. I don't think he deserved, I don't think he had any place there. I think that you trying to fit in like, oh, other people are like you made it almost lose its luster. Like it made it like, I even wrote it as this. I said it cheapened her experience. The way he was living it as well wasn't with the same desired outcome. Yes. So I do think it cheapened her experience. I just thought I was like this weird storyline of her just having meaningless sex. I just thought it was like, this is stupid. I don't know. I don't, I just, I thought it was unnecessary. And then it just kind of took me out of story. Like I said, with the other part. And I was just like, eh, I can do without. <laughs> I agree. No, totally agree. I'm more, I'm more, I'm more here for like the existential, the existential crisis, trying to overcome that rather than have a weird, almost love story thrown in there. Well, if you think about it, like every other life kind of taught Nora something about herself. Like for instance, Dan, she learned that she's one of those people that tries to take on other people's dreams to fulfill her own happiness. 
that's not going to work. Kind of same with the Olympic thing and even the band thing. Like it wasn't what she wanted. Yeah, she enjoyed doing both those things, but that wasn't her life goal. But yeah, Marcelo literally added nothing. I hated it. I hated every second of his uh, appearance. Fair enough. What else did you hate? That's about it. Uh, I was going to say, we only have eight minutes and 20 seconds left of our uh, our, our Zoom call. So let's uh, let's get into our final ratings because I, I don't have anything else to add. I think I pretty much touched on everything I wanted to touch on. Agreed. My final rating was a 3.5 out of 5. You know, like I said, it tackled heavy topics in kind of a very elegant way. I said the ending had me reaching for my tissues and like taking stock of my own present and what I was grateful for and what keeps me grounded in kind of my own universe. Like I said, it was not a perfect book. I had my qualms with it. I said I was overall pretty happy with it. I'm like glad I read it. I feel like I took a lot out of it. I feel like I would recommend it to others, but I would definitely like it would be like with a warning of like... (laughs) Here's the parts I didn't like, but like, if you want a book that'll kind of have you look at your life a little bit differently, I would, I would read it. Yeah. So I kind of have similar, I gave it a little bit better than you 4.5. I thought about 3.5 cause they're like the things that I didn't like about it. Like it really irritated me um, as I was reading it. But I think the reason why it at least deserves a four in my book is because it made me think I was just like you. I was like, oh my goodness, like what regret would like, do I have? And like, how can I kind of counteract that? Be like, no, I'm grateful for here. The people I'm with right now. So I think that's what I would give. And also it did have a really good message of hope to readers. So I think more people than not would enjoy this book, but definitely would probably recommend it with a warning as well. Um, Okay, we'll see if we can get through the pairings here in six minutes. We got this. Pairings are where we pair TV shows, movies, or other books that might pair well with today's book. So um, I'll go first for the sake of time. Drink. I did a, I saw that we did the same thing, uh, but mine was the 2018 Bien Nacido Estate Syrah uh, from the Santa Maria Valley, uh, Santa Maria Valley in Santa Barbara County. So that she talks about a Syrah in here. So that's why we both trust that. Yep. She lives a life where she literally owns a winery. So I was like, you have to do it. You have to do it. My TV show was The Man in the High Castle, because this is kind of one of those sliding doors moments where, um, you know, what if the Nazis won World War II? What would our world look like then? My books, I will just do one. So my book was The Vanishing Half, which follows two twin sisters that are light-skinned Black sisters. And one passes as white, one passes as Black. And you kind of see they're two different paths and how that takes them on this journey. One of my favorite books of all time. So highly recommend it. And then my movie was Yesterday. So this is another what if storyline takes place of what if the Beatles never existed and you could kind of benefit off of their IP. So those are good ones. Um, Okay. So mine was the Ballard Canyon Syrah also from Santa Barbara. So love that. Good wines. My book, I actually did a short story, which was interesting because I kind of just stumbled upon the short story right after I read this book. It's, I think it's 1883 is when it was published. So it's really old, but it's called The Yellow Wallpaper by Charlotte Perkins Gilman. And obviously very heavy about mental health, especially for women in the 1800s, wasn't talked about. And she gets this very huge focus on this yellow wallpaper. And I think there's a big parallel there between that and Nora and her regrets. When we have focus on something, that's exactly what's going to run our lives. And then for the movie, 
movie, I did The Family Man. If you have not seen The Family Man, it is one of the best movies ever. Um, but it's one of those kind of parallel universe. If I had made one different decision, what would have happened? And he gets to live it out. So it's a perfect pairing for that. And then for TV show, I did Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt because she obviously is kind of in this bunker for how, how many years? It's like 14 or 15 years. And then she gets to go out in the real world. And I think that's a good pairing because she really just learns how to live life to the fullest. And I think a lot of us um, are so hung up on regrets, but really we need to learn how to make every single second this flash that uh, Matt Haig talks about and just live life to the fullest. So. Those are great. I read the yellow wallpaper in school and really enjoyed it. So it's really good. I don't know why I haven't read it yet. That's our episode. Jenna, I do have to ask this before we go. What would be your midnight library? Would it be a library? I think it would be a library. What would your midnight library be? Mine would definitely be a coffee shop for sure. I, I, I have a feeling there would be still books in there, but it'd be coffee shop. Yeah. Like each coffee is a different life. Yeah. It might even be like a podcast bank for me. Like you're just scrolling through. Honestly, that's a good, that's a good one. You just get to listen to podcasts about different lives. Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Thank you for joining us on this episode. As always, Abby, what a pleasure it is to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Okay. All right. We're literally about to run out of time. Good job to us. Yay. Well, that's the show. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked it, please go give it five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. If you want more book-related content, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at rwreadspodcast. Again, that's at r-w-r-e-a-d-s-p-o-d-c-a-s-t at rwreadspodcast on Instagram and TikTok. Until next week, keep your books open and your drink glasses full. Thanks all.